this is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. Our taping is made possible with the support of Raider, a hands-on IT service provider that integrates all of your needs for advanced technical support, effective communication options, and cybersecurity. Raider's motto is, you just want it to work. We understand. Please visit RaiderSolutions.com for more information. The generosity of Oxner Lafayette General also makes this podcast possible. As Acadiana's largest regional health system, including two teaching hospitals and the region's only level two trauma center with more than 5,500 employees, Oxner Lafayette General strives to put patients first and make caring their top priority. In continuous efforts to reach more patients, Oxner Lafayette General provides services throughout Acadiana and facilitates telemedicine throughout the state, making healthcare more accessible for everyone. For more information, visit oxnerlg.org. Support for this podcast comes from HomeBank, helping the fixer-upper homeowner achieve their renovation dreams with HomeBank's one-time close construction loan. Learn more at home24bank.com. HomeBank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Our guests today are Francis and Cappy Pavi. They're here to talk about the launch of Pavi Art and Design, their contemporary line of textiles, which include fabrics, wall coverings, pillows, scarves, and jewelry, all rooted in the iconic artwork of Francis X. Pavi. Francis has been creating art for 40 years. A photographer while still a young boy, Francis' focus turned to ceramics and glass design, and he is now an internationally acclaimed painter and mixed-media artist known for his vivid works capturing the folklore of South Louisiana. In 1990, Rolling Stone magazine dubbed Francis the Picasso of Zydeco. Collectors of his art include the New Orleans Museum of Art and the Morris Museum of Art, Ron Howard, Lauren Michael, Paul Simon, and Prince Bandar of Saudi Arabia, among others. His work is featured on the Tom Tom Club album cover of The Talking Heads, one of my most fun bands that I like to listen to. And Kathy Pavi is also here with us. Kathy has been a brand strategist for more than 20 years as an agency partner and creative director. Well known in our community for her work in the industry, Kathy's heart is also in the service work she does, including her work with ABC Fund, a $10 million endowment dedicated to art and culture, the Hilliard University Art Museum Advisory Committee, and the UL Lafayette College of the Arts Advisory Committee. Francis and Kathy, it's my honor to welcome you to Discover Lafayette. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so we're sitting here in your studio, Francis, and I understand this is also a bed uh, and breakfast, an Airbnb place that's uh, right near downtown. It's a beautiful studio and great location, especially after coming off of um, festival. I used to live here. Um, well, we both used to live here. I, it, originally, it was a uh, used office furniture, and I bought it. Uh, in 1983 and eventually lived here as a single artist and Kathy we got married she moved here and we had a baby here and we just outgrew it so mm-hmm. in 1999 so I rented it out for a while and now it's kind of a you know I have it as a studio offices workshops and and there's still an apartment here so you know I get to use it anytime I want and it also uh, doubles as a, as an apartment for for visitors. You know, I have people that come visit mm-hmm. me, and 
So I like to have that for them. Yeah. Well, when I was heading here to the interview, I was thinking the Gordon Hotel, because I know, Kathy, you have space there for your business. So I I was intrigued by the double Gordon. You know, I'm glad I looked at the calendar. (laughs) I guess it's a little confusing. Yeah. Well, we we call it Poppy Studio Downtown, and that's where I actually office out of and do my brand and marketing. But we also have... Some of Francis's artwork, mm-hmm. but also the textiles, um, our wallpaper and um, fabric. All of the memo samples are there. Right. So we're kind of using that as a, a holding area. I'm assuming, Francis, that many of our listeners know about your extensive works. But for those that don't, I encourage them to look up, you know, pavy, P-A-V-Y dot com and see your art and the evolution over the years, I spent a great deal of time looking at your work in the early days, in the 80s, and how it's evolved, but it's always had a beautiful use of color and abstract ideas. It's it's breathtaking. I think of myself as a colorist, a colorist painter, but using color more than being color being the strongest suit, you know, uh, and that stems back to when I was a kid, learning how to mix color with uh, Elmore Morgan. And I still think about it, you know, how to, how to, I remember him distinctly having temper paint in egg cartons, and we were mixing uh, yellow and red to make orange. And, and, of course, you know, every time, I just think about color all the time, even as a teenager and as a child. And... Uh, coming upon, you know, color in nature or mm-hmm. seeing a color in a car, you, I just analyze it and think about how I would make that particular shade, what would I put in it to, to make that particular green or, or turquoise blue. How did you come into, um, under the tutelage of Elmore Morgan? I, um, there was a Saturday morning show that came on. It was a uh, Drawing with John Nagy, and it was, uh, you know, I think it originally came on in the early 50s, but by the time we got a TV in 1959, um, it was in syndication. So I'd watch that every Saturday morning, and, of course, I guess I hounded my parents for for art lessons or whatever. They got me a drawing uh, kit, a John Nagy drawing kit, and I still even have one of the pencils from the oh. kit. And, um, uh, but... I guess I was persistent enough that they saw that uh, Elmore was teaching classes at Gerard Park, so uh, they let my sister and I take lessons there. And it was, I believe it was in the early evening, like like 6 to 7 on a, like a Tuesday or something like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. And did he see your talent? Well, must... I was just a kid. I, I mean, well... he just, you know... I. I, I didn't really have much skill back then, you know, and, uh, you know, I drew stick figures and, you know, like, mm-hmm. I guess, army men and boats. And, and I, I used to like to draw pirate ships, pirate treasure and stuff like that. Um, I I don't think he, you know, singled me out as a talent. I wasn't a pro- child prodigy. Prodigy, yeah. yeah. I know I read that you um, discovered photography also at a young age. Yeah, well, my dad was a photographer, and he uh, got a camera. We lived in Europe and when I was a baby, and he was drafted into the Army. Uh, uh, 
And um, when he got there, I guess he didn't have much to do in his free time, so he, he got himself a camera, or he wanted to document our lives or whatever. But he got a nice camera, and he learned how to use it, and he, he took a lot of really wonderful pictures of, of uh, Europe while we were there. And he'd always bring his camera, and it was always a... He, he had his light meter. He knew how to properly expose a negative, and... And he had cameras, other cameras. So I picked up one and started, it was a box camera. And I uh, learned how to develop film. I had a little dark room in, in the attic, mm-hmm. which was fun. You know, it was pretty easy. And I developed photographs for the neighborhood kids. Right, right. Do you, do you see photographs in your head? I, I wanted to ask you early on about how you, how you create your art. Do you... Do you see it first as a photograph, or do you just start painting? And a whole variety of ways, but sometimes uh, uh, I'm in a situation where I, I'll see something, and the image kind of haunts me, or or I'll, or somebody will be explaining something to me, and I'll visualize it in my head, and mm-hmm. that image keeps coming back, and again and again and again. So um, I think of it taking photographs with. I think of it as taking photographs with my mind. Not necessarily the camera. Right, right. When I went through all your works, I, I don't know if it's one that you even think about, but I loved Blue Octopus the because of the sea, just the yeah. colors and yeah. all the little detail. Like the octopus stood out, vivid blue, but then all the the sea life, it was just alive. That was a nice series, and uh, we did probably, I did about 10 of those. And that one was the nicest one, actually. I kept it for myself. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, out of all of them, I was like, yeah, I love yeah. it. I just love that one. I don't know what it was. They're all they're all gorgeous, and the colors are beautiful. So, Kathy, you know, I should know this, but I don't. Are you an artist? Like, how did you guys meet? And Yeah, well, you know? I have a um, degree uh, from UL in mm-hmm. fine arts with a emphasis oh. on graphic design and advertising. Mm-hmm. So I am a graphic designer, and I... Um, prefer to use the computer to create my art versus uh, pencil. I'm not as I'm, I'm not as good as Francis or my daughter Annabelle. Well, she's bad. <clears throat> she's a real whiz on the computer, and she's she can run circles around yeah. me with a, uh, uh, <laughs> with uh, with uh, uh, with some of those yeah. Illustrator. I mean, mm-hmm. it's incredible. I feel like I'm more of a creative thinker, right? Than right, you know. But there's a place for both. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, Francis mm-hmm. couldn't do all the things you're doing, as he says. And thank goodness, you guys complement each other as you do. You know, yeah, I, I definitely am like probably the idea person, and Francis, <laughs> Francis is. I mean, well, he's the. I mean, I guess you know, I'm always probably have too many ideas, um, and so Francis will be like, "Gotta bring it in," mm-hmm. you know. And we kind of when we launched our business, it was we had too many ideas. Especially the two of us together, right. it was like, well, we do this and we do this From and different do this angles. and do this. Finally, we were like, okay, we can't do everything. Mm-hmm. So, I'm impressed. I I have the mind more of a black and white kind of uh, attorney, lawyer, you know, like mm-hmm. legal work, yeah. analytical, and mm-hmm. yeah, and just making things work. Uh-huh. But with facts, and I've always been amazed at people that. It's not even thinking so much; it's just living and mm-hmm. expressing. 
without concern to what's right or wrong because there's no right or wrong from what I see and yeah. all the creativity through the years. You can see Francis in your work and Kathy, I knew your work for years with yeah. BBR mm-hmm. Creative and mm-hmm. now on your own. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's just an expression of ideas and not necessarily having to be a certain way. You know. No, and sometimes it's like you have so many ideas. It's like, how do you keep up with all of them? Yeah, yeah. Because you just want to do everything. Right. Yeah, no. It's like uh, so many ideas have been passed, uh, left on the wayside. Mm-hmm. But there's yeah. always tomorrow. Yeah, I might go back to it. So exactly. Well, that's why you have sketchbooks and such. <laughs> well, tell me about you two. Mm-hmm. Um, when did Pavi Art and Design come about? And is it something you'd always been thinking about? Yeah. So I, for, for as a graphic designer, um, for me, just living with his paintings every day, I just see, I see the patterns, right? Um, and I see them graphically. And I mean, we've always talked about extracting elements of his painting and creating textiles. And so when I retired from BBR, it was, that was when we, we had committed to doing this. And in 2019, we really started working on it. Mm-hmm. And we thought, oh, we can do this. You know, we're creative, we're and artists. Timing, huh? <laughs> and we can do this, mm-hmm. and this will be simple. And we did it, and it was kind of easy, but then it got really hard because it was not even... Um, the like learning the industry, but the process of development was very challenging. Um, mm-hmm. So it, you know, it's been three years. It was three years of development where we thought, oh, we can do this in a year. Mm-hmm. We really thought we could like launch in 2020, and it, I feel like every year it just it just kept. We kept pushing the deadline. Because you don't make the fabrics yourself. I mean, you have to get artisans Mm -hmm. to do this. And I guess a lot of things were shut down, too. Well, Um, we Was that an issue in 2020? We do have a good partner that prints for us. uh, But there's some technical issues of interpreting the paintings into uh, digital files. And that's that's tricky. Uh, It's not an easy process with the tools we have at this time. So there could be an improvement in in speed if we have the right tools and they're just not there yet. But mm-hmm. even like before, you know, the printing, it was just figuring out the patterns. Like you would think that that would be simple and like, you know, he's got a huge vocabulary of images and, but applying the patterns, it, to um, uh, adapting it for textiles is harder than you would think. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, or the fabric, like the fabric types. No, just it, the patterns itself, like just creating oh, the pattern. Getting the colors. And creating correct. the colors and uh-huh. getting the, you know, the form and the... Getting the patterns to repeat on themselves so it'll be a continuous flow of... I mean, you mm-hmm. could print a thousand yards if you wanted to, you know, quickly. But you have to... You have to stitch everything together to make it a seamless repeat. Mm-hmm. And I would think as an artist, you don't want to see your work not exact. Exactly. Well, it's a trick to figure out how to, it was a real trick to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. And it took some experimentation. Finally, uh, I arrived at a simple little technique of just 
you know, uh, wrapping the painting around on a tube and just <laughs> painting the, the repeats and then digitally uh, stitching all that together. Yeah, it's pretty comp- yeah. complex. So you sell wall coverings, mm-hmm. uh, fabrics mm-hmm. for furniture and mm-hmm. pillows. Mm-hmm. And so I guess everything you make, too, is a little different twist to it mm-hmm. uh, to capture his art. Well, I think the other part of what we're doing, um, you know, there's two things. We're building a home goods brand, really, um, inspired by Francis. The other part is that it's inspired by South Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, every every pattern really is, again, extracted from his work, but it's also like a nod to our where we live. So we have tunica, we have cane grass, we have stormy waters, we have marsh grass, we have briars. So in every every one of those patterns, really, um, there's a story about South Louisiana in it, and that for us is really about honoring where we're from and building awareness. Um, so when it leaves Acadiana people will learn and hopefully begin to love our area. So it's really kind of about building a brand for right. where, we, where we're from. Right. And go ahead, Francis. It's important to me uh, that the artwork has a narrative or a meaning behind it because, of, if it, I mean, I don't just slot paint on the wall, you know. I, uh, you know, it has to have a story or a narrative or something that... that uh, that says something that, that has has a story behind it. So, um, I just want to ha- wanted to be a little bit have a little depth of meaning behind. Well, actually, a lot of depth of meaning behind it. And I don't think it it for me it just doesn't uh, do much for me if it's just where I just go in the studio and make stuff. You know, right? It's, it has it has to have a story behind it. it has to have. Uh, um, you know, an experience. And I know people that get your work and love it are all over the U.S. and the world. And when mm-hmm. we were talking before the interview about Lauren Michaels, just people all over that are very well known and, you know, people follow what they do. I know that he is an admirer of your work. So you've got that market that's mm-hmm. been ready to be tapped. He came a couple of times to Louisiana and... um the second time we bought a painting, and I heard from friends that visited him at his place in Montauk that that painting was over the the mantelpiece. It's a painting of a burning house. It's really interesting. And um, I have a friend that told me that he went to Lauren Michaels' house on uh, Long Island in Montauk, and um, they were at a party. Paul Simon and Paul McCartney were there, and. Um, Paul McCartney is also a painter, you know, and was commenting on the painting. And I think he just, my friend just wanted to tell me that, you know, that that little story. But that's fascinating. I mean, that's just two people that probably everyone in the world (laughs) is familiar with. Yes, for sure. I know. And there's probably been, I mean, I think that Acadiana, there are are many celebrities that have been here before, you know. Uh And I think there probably in the '80s there was when Cajun and Creole was really kind of like making its you know way into the world. Um, there was you know a lot of 
activity around, uh, you know, our culture. But I think it's kind of, I do believe it's making a, a comeback again. It kind of, mm-hmm. kind of was like, here mm-hmm. we are, kind of, you know. Right. I think the discovery and reinvention of Cajun culture is a, a, a new thing for every generation because, you know, they... The younger kids that are playing professionally these days, you know, they they take the music and interpret it in their own way also. And uh, that's not any different than what we did when, like, the early 80s and Beausoleil came out and, you know, uh, Paul Prudhomme was... was, Making uh, a, making a, a big splash with black and uh, red fish, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I think uh, our culture has reinvented uh, anew every so so many years. I mean, even before us, it was at um, Dewey Balfa and Ari Lejeune. They, they changed Cajun culture. Uh, I mean, Ari after the war and uh, Dewey Balfa after coming back from Newport. Uh, folk festival I mean it's uh, it's it's a way of um, reinterpreting our culture and living and reinventing it and and um, I mean it's just it's a dynamic culture you know we're always changing Um, I had been so unfamiliar with some of that past and through this podcast I've learned about Dewey Balfa Mm -hmm. and the Newport Festival through interviewing people like Josh Caffrey Mm -hmm. um, so many different people that were a part or their families were a part of this culture Mm -hmm. and they're folklorists and when I was reading about your background I know you've described him as a, a folklorist and you can either get a degree in that or you can live it, you know, but you've been living it and expressing our culture through your art. And um, I'm just so glad I've gotten to know about this because I moved here in 1983 at really at the height of when a lot of, you know, we were moving away from the disrespect to the, the holding up the, the Acadian community mm. with the respect mm. that it should have always had. Mm. But as much as I respected them, I did not understand anything about what had happened and it's just been a real pleasure but when I was reading you know your, your yeah. background I thought it was interesting that Kathy describes you as a folklorist I think in the it's a visual folklorist mm-hmm. and I, I feel like if you look at his work Francis's work especially in the very beginning you can really like for me when I see you know like it looks like a club or a honky tonk. I'm like, Francis was there <laughs> and he painted that image. Like that is what he saw and that's his interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. So and and so he's documenting the world around him through his paintings. And even the painting behind you, which is really more of probably a landscape, like Francis said, there's a story here and I'm not sure what it is, Francis, but it has to do with the ecosystem of South Louisiana, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. The fauna, the flora. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, well, that one, uh, well. The fish. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a lake. When you go over the bridge in uh, Jennings, there's a the lake with a lot, bunch of lotuses. And uh, so it, it's, it's a kind of an interpretation of, of driving and seeing all those lotuses way down below in the lake. Did you take a photo of it, or do you just you had it in your head? I had it in my head. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. Like he said, he took a picture in his head in his and head, there it is. And then interpreted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to dig deeper into that and also more about what you're selling to the public and mm-hmm. how people can find out more. During each episode, we pause and reflect back on past interviews. Mm-hmm. And this is one, I'm just going to pull a short clip with Philip Gould, renowned documentary and architecture photographer who has made laugh, excuse me, Louisiana his home and favorite subject since 1974. And Philip, of course, is known for his exquisite photography, which also captures the essence of South Louisiana. You can hear Philip Gould's interview, along with many others, at discoverlafayette.net. And now the moment. The first trip I took back to Louisiana after I had moved there several months later, um, I heard about this wedding that was going to be uh, in French in Abbeville. I said, huh, I should go to that. I went there, and uh, there's an older couple. Mm-hmm. I guess I think they were from Delcom, Walter and Effie Landry. And um, so they have the wedding ceremony, and mm-hmm. it, the you know, choir sings in French. It's all the vows are in French, everything. They come out, and they um, go over to this wagon, horse-drawn wagon, wow. where they're going to be uh, carried to the, the reception, I guess. <laughs> and um, Cinderella and Prince Charming. There but, you go. Yeah. And the I don't 70- mean that in disrespectfully. It's, it was beautiful. Yeah, the, the elderly version. Mm-hmm. The, um, but the way that that lady, Miss Effie, got up into the wagon, she pulled up her bridal dress, <laughs> jumped up there like, like she was wearing pants and boots, and I said, that is a, that is a wonderful spirit. Big old smile on her right. face. And that photograph, I, I went back to Dallas and, and actually published an article about the wedding in, in the magazine there. And, but that photograph just haunted me. It stayed with me. And she became my siren. Uh-huh. You know, she was the one, you belong over here. Welcome back to Discover Lafayette. We're here with Francis and Kathy Pavi talking about Pavi art and design. And so I want to get into your your business because that's really why we're here today. I wanted mm-hmm. people to, to hear Francis' voice and know more about how renowned he is. But you had to probably pick certain things that you thought were commercially viable because his works are extensive. So when yeah. people look at the website, they can see what's available now. But I'm sure there was some culling out of yeah, all of his work. and we're still culling, uh, honestly. We're still, um, what we say is really focusing a little bit more. And we've had those three years that we, you know, have been in development, um, taught us what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. So we kind of did start big because we had so many ideas and we w- could have done more if we had the capacity and probably um, the pockets. But... You know, I think for us now, we had launched with bandanas and scars, but those were really items to sell at Festival International. And the goal was really for us to bring in capital to finance this. It was great the first year, then there was a pandemic the next two years. So we were back this this last festival, so that's great. But it also made us realize that we're not in the bandana industry. That is not mm-hmm. what the bandana market or even a retail space is really not where we need to be right now. We need to really hone in and really laser focus on the, the textiles. And the artwork is kind of secondary, mm-hmm. and maybe that might be a phase two, and the home goods might be a phase two or three, but right now we really are trying to really pull back our focus on 
the textiles and our business model is a little different. It's not retail. We, our goal is to get into showrooms across the country. Mm-hmm. So we want other people or other showrooms selling for us. And that's, that's really kind of, we're more B to B than B to C at this very moment. Mm-hmm. But people can contact you. Yes. Like individuals yes. that yes. might hear this and want yes. to know more. They can contact you. Yes. Online. Yes. And, um, I mean, we do. We, um, and we do sell to the public. Um, but. Right. We are really, you know, designers and tier to the trade is really what we like to say. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to name any competitors, but were there other people? Did you have a, any kind of template to look at as you launch this business? You know, is this, are you one of the only? No, I mean, there are definitely um, textile designers. There are lots of them. We're probably, you know, we're, I think our our brand is unique mm-hmm. for sure. Um and, you know, again, a lot of these textile designers have showrooms that they partner with. I think if we, for me, if we go and can build out the company and really build a legacy company for our daughters, mm-hmm. the goal would be, like, there's a company called St. Frank or, you know, where they really would begin making other products, you know, Acadian-inspired furniture. Mm-hmm pillows, all those other kind of things. But we didn't have a mentor. I mean, there was nobody we called up and said, uh, well, how do you do this? Yeah. What do we do now? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did we we did hire consultants, but as far as like a mentor that has done it all before and and would say, oh, no, you can't do that or you shouldn't do this. And no, I mean, we, we made all the mistakes mm-hmm. <laughs> along the way. I know. I mean, I was actually listening to a podcast the other day um, about um, a, it's start, a startup podcast. And so I was listening to it and, you know, the man, the guy that was talking with had um, a lawn service app. I forgot what it's called. And it just made me feel so much better him talking <laughs> about his business, which was his second business, mm-hmm. very similar to me, and, and how hard it was and all of the mistakes that he made. And I was like, oh, gosh, thank goodness. You know, because we have made, definitely have like, we're make you know, we, we're learning. You can write a book go. probably when you're over. Mm-hmm. But you because know, you just thought, I just thought it would be so easy. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I didn't think it would be this hard. Well, mine is a small example compared mm-hmm. to yours, but there was really no book for local podcasts when mm-hmm. I started this five years ago. And people kind of thought I was crazy and they didn't get. You know, they knew about advertising on the radio and all, but it, it's been an uphill thing. But I was doing it like you guys. This is a labor of love. I know that you love South Louisiana. And mm-hmm. from everything I've read and heard, mm-hmm. you're doing this to share our culture so that everyone can understand it and experience mm-hmm. the visual loveliness of what we have here. Because not a lot of people know if they haven't traveled south or spent time in South Louisiana, they don't know. I think that, I mean, that's definitely something that we're both passionate about and kind of, you know, the, for me, and we both have different experiences and come from different places. Mine, dad was a little, you know, a LeBlanc. Every day was kind of like, you know, at my grandmother's was a, you know, a boucherie, honestly. And so they were dancing in the front yard and... Cajun music and going on, you know, going on little rodeos with my dad and like Mm -hmm. 
stopping and listening to the Cajun music, that for me is, um, I get emotional about it because it's just, mm-hmm. it's who I am. And then I think for Francis, you know, it's also his experience, but I also think that the music and re- the folklore of it is probably um, yeah, where it's like, you come uh, from. Like yeah. this. All my family was musical also. I mean, my mother uh, is from Vashri, so they, they always, when we went to visit, they always had a piano, and they were always singing, you know, and my mother played music. Uh, That's a beautiful and, small town. My, yeah. my great-aunt was from there, mm-hmm. yeah. And my grandfather was a, a, he was an accordion player and a harmonica player, and he didn't have accordion later on in life. I never saw him play accordion, but he played I've seen him play a harmonica a lot of times because it's kind of it's very similar, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'd play some older Cajun music uh, and um, popular music, you know. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends in New Orleans. I have some professional music musician cousins that live in New Orleans. But I think uh, there's a there comes a point in your life where you're like, and you start traveling outside of Lafayette, and you're like. Wait, your parents don't speak French, you know. Like, and then you're you're like, wait, where, you know, where are we, and where do we come from? And it is wow, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I believe, you know, as a as a branding specialist, I mean, that's what I do. I just know that Lafayette or Acadiana is just something so special and so authentic, which is what a brand should be. That. You know, we need to protect it. We need to, like, cultivate it. Mm-hmm. And then we should really kind of, like, use it, to, you know, it's in our best interest to protect to it, it and yeah. maintain it. Right. Because um, I think from a, well, culture and tourism is one of the top economies in Acadiana. Mm-hmm. And people don't even understand that. But so many of us can take it for granted. When right. you live exactly. here. You know, you can forget how special our people are, our food, our music, our art, Mm -hmm. uh, all the things that make South Louisiana so special. Right. And it's not just Lafayette, but Lafayette is kind of a hub for drawing people here. Yeah. And if you took that away, then we're just, you know, like I always like to say, if if we took away our culture, then we're just vanilla and we're every other town USA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you want to live there? I don't think so. So you never thought about moving, either one of you, mm-hmm. from here? Mm-hmm. I was thinking about moving to New Orleans at one point. <laughs> More galleries. Uh, I never knew this. <laughs> yeah, well, this is before I met you. Pre-Cappy? I wanted to move to the country. Was, was there it. a time before Pre-Cappy? Yes, well, there was. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to add that, yeah, I mean, when I was young, I did you know, this was just where we lived, and you know, everybody ate crawfish, and of course, everybody spoke French. I mean, they're all everybody's parents and grandparents spoke French, and it was kind of uh, enlightening that to find out that you know, Americans, they they don't, uh, you know, we have this unique thing. You know, we have we have our own language, pretty much Cajun French, and our own food. We have our own music, you mm-hmm. know, and as far as like, you know. I I think is that we should have our own iconography, and that's why I was trying to invent invent a, a vocabulary of iconography. I mean, you know, that's what it seems to have turned out to be for me. And can you elucidate that more? You're saying iconography. That's mm. your 
your term for what you do, capturing my, my, my it's not everything, of course, but you know, uh, the narratives are filled with decorative elements that become i i icons or iconography. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, the things we use in our textiles. Iconic. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the, I guess the most iconic uh, image I use is the marshgrass image, mm-hmm. and it's uh, I got it from looking at a topo- topographical map of South Louisiana, and, and and there's a little kind of a marshgrass symbol that symbolizes swampy areas or marsh areas and so mm-hmm. you know I thought about that the first time I mean I was thinking about that again and again I took a picture in my mind mm-hmm. when I was a little kid because I probably saw that when I was four or five and didn't actually make that mark until I was like 33 or 34 and um, so for me that's my most uh, powerful or, or premier Icon, mm-hmm. and of course the other iconography would be the cane grass, you know, like a, a sugar cane grass, you know, because it's it's everywhere around here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you beautiful f- fields of cane grass. You over in the overpasses, and you can see the wind uh, move it, and it mm-hmm. it it rolls like waves, you know. When I was preparing our intro, I wasn't even sure how to describe you, Francis. <laughs> I didn't think painter. Did it like you're, you're an artist, but I really look back over and over and things, and I thought, what what is he really like? What you know? How do you define yourself? Well, I think of myself as a painter. You do. I so tell people I'm okay. a painter. Yeah. Okay, because uh-huh. we get that. Uh-huh. But honestly, it's it's so much more. Um, I don't know. It's just bigger than that, and and and. Uh, not well, complicated, uh, but to me, painter doesn't quite capture everything that you do, just looking at all the works in this one room. Well, I like to be yeah. challenged, you know. It's like, yeah. so painting is fun, and I love painting, and it's it's great, but I also uh, like to do other things. Well, if you would see his, the, you know, the CNC router that he made himself, and then, like, the fluorescent glass studio that he made himself, he's really, you know... He's really like a mad scientist. Well, it's an intangible mm-hmm. uh, mark that you put on all your different works. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I don't know, when I was trying to describe you, I thought, he's a painter, but it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, He's also very analytical, which is like with the business is really great because, you know, um, I think what I've noticed with like, you know, learning something new every day, I'm also learning new things about Francis is that... Um, he's a great closer. Oh, the yes. deal? He's, Close, the, he's the closer. <laughs> Always <and> be closing. <laughs> like, you're the closer. And he also, he's great with numbers. And he, I, I feel like he can just, maybe that's how he sees everything. It's just very, like, I don't want to say black and white Mm-mm. because there's so many layers to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can kind of get from point A to point B easy, very easily. Well, I think it's because of that mind, mm-hmm. keeping those images, you mm-hmm. also can see mm-hmm. the issues clearly. Mm-hmm. But they're not black yeah. and white, but you can see it clearly. Well, you could have been a lawyer, too. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that uh, I had uncles that were lawyers, and it just seemed kind of dry. And It is. <laughs> you know, um, going in the office, it seemed like a little stuffy. Yeah. We all have a place, I guess. but. Mm. So your sister is Camille mm-hmm. Pavi Claiborne. She's been on the podcast, and she's also a creative spirit. Yes, she I is. love her writing. Mm. Yeah, 
We get that from my, um, well, the writing she probably gets from the Pavi side of the family and uh, the creative, uh, well, they, that's on both sides, but the Wagaspecs have a, have a lot of, uh, like I said, they're musically, very musically inclined. Mm-hmm. And they like to make things, too. Yeah. I guess I could have pulled up her interview. I just thought Philip kind of captures that Mm -hmm. South Louisiana. What did you guys really want to get in? Are there things you thought I would ask you, or is there anything you want to get in that we haven't discussed? No. I mean, I I honestly wasn't... I didn't know what to expect. Um, I think... Was there something I, for you? No, I, I so agree. I wasn't sure what uh-huh. to expect. Yeah. So. I just want to um, help get the word out about what you're doing and promoting what you're promoting, which is our culture. Yeah, I think, well, we appreciate that for sure. And I think, um, yeah, we definitely are trying to promote the culture. But also, you know, I don't, I mean, we're launching a new business. And mm-hmm. so we really appreciate as much, yep. you know, you need traffic to your website. Anything and everything because, yeah. you know, we have a lot of, that's, you know, phase one for, well, it was like phase one was like development. Now we're in phase two, which is really exposure and building mm-hmm. building up um, an audience of followers and building our brand. So, and that will take probably one to three years. Mm-hmm. So. Is your studio open downtown mm-hmm. uh, for visitors if they want to walk in and yeah, see what I, I you prefer have. if they could call f- uh-huh. um, before. You know, and where do people go, Kathy, to find out it's, about all this? Um, www.shop.pavi.com. P-A-V-Y. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because yeah. I would think out-of-town visitors might really enjoy, they'll enjoy going into the old Garden Hotel, too. It's a beautiful spot. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's like, when they come in, they're like, wow, I didn't even know this was here. Mm-hmm. So. It's gorgeous. Another iconic uh-huh. site. So. Yeah. And you didn't know what to expect. Is there anything that you'd like to add? Uh, f- um, no, I don't have any. I don't have any questions or, okay. or, or comments right at the moment. I, I know I'll think of something when you leave. But. Well, yeah, and also follow, follow us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that is under just Pavi Shop Pavi. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, this has been a pleasure. Yeah, I've. Uh, I don't think we'd ever met Francis. I mean, yeah. I knew of your work and. Um, it's an honor to meet you, and I, I wish the best for both of you. I think this business idea is great, and I can definitely relate to those early years, you know, just that Fred Flintstone effect. You just got to get your momentum, and it's going to happen. It's happening. Yeah, so. I feel so. I feel like it is. I do have something I want to add. Okay. It's like This is the 40th year that I've been at my studio. It's hard to believe it's been that long, but... Um, in fact, I didn't even realize it was 40 years until like December. And uh, one day I came in, I came home and I told Kathy, I said, you know, it's been 40 years since I, I moved to my studio. And, and it, it segues with the release of the, of the fabric and textiles. So it's uh, another thing, you know, it's another mm-hmm. challenge, it's a new adventure. I really, I really do enjoy uh, uh, Starting anew again, you know, yeah. it's just another venture, another idea, another series, as far as like I'm concerned. I like that too. Not only does it keep you sharp, but you really learn. Mm-hmm. You learn what you don't know. Oh, yeah. And that mind needs to keep on being, you know, challenged. Oh, I, no matter I, what our age is. I love that. I love being challenged and I love uh, keeping the mind working. And I mm-hmm. mean, it's, I'm really excited about it. 
Well, I'm looking forward to seeing your work the next 40 years. So, oh, great. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Francis and Kathy and Pavi, thank you so much. Thank and you. I'll this have all great. this on mm-hmm. the website. We'll have show notes where people, when they're reading, if they haven't heard the podcast, but if they see it, they'll be sent to your site. So best wishes on continued success. I'd like to thank our listeners. Thank you for your support. Um, please tell your friends about it. If you haven't subscribed, you can go to Discover. Lafayette, wherever you get your podcast, and you can subscribe. We uh, deliver a new episode every Friday. And I couldn't do this without my sponsors, who I'd like to thank Oxner, Lafayette General, Home Bank, and Raider, and in particular, Jason Sikora, who mixes our tape and makes it sound so professional. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. Thank you for listening.